everyone. Uh, welcome to the second Sunday of Lent here at Portland Mennonite Church. Last week, uh, Rod talked about the questions that people were asking Jesus. And in our text today, uh, people were again surrounding Jesus, having conversations with him, asking questions. You see, there was news floating in the air, news that was troubling for people, news that needed discernment, news that one might bring up in conversation in the hopes that others might help you know what to make of it. I can relate to their troubles. I can relate to their questions. Because these days it feels like my news feed is full of just this type of news. You know, maybe if we had our chance to corner Jesus, we would have done the same thing, right? Hey, Jesus, uh, did you hear about what happened on January 6th? A bunch of people stormed the Capitol, and a woman named Ashley Babbitt tried to crawl through a window, and they shot her. Hey, Jesus, did you hear about George Floyd being killed by the police? Jesus, did you hear about the two and a half million people who've died in this global pandemic? Jesus, did you hear that Rush Limbaugh died from cancer? Jesus, you want to weigh in on all of that? You see, uh, we're struggling here to sort it all out. To be honest, deep down, we don't feel the same way about all of these deaths, this news, these tragedies. And we could use a little help here. It'd be kind of great if you could take a side. But then, uh, just like in our text today, with a dash of creative license, Jesus looks up, look, meets our gaze, looks us right in the eye, and he simply says, repent. It could have been you. What? There's no entertaining our politics or our moral sensibilities. Just repent. It could have been you. Repent from what? You see, Jesus, all we want is some uh, clarity. We want what is good divided neatly from what is bad. We want justice. And we really want you to pick a side, our side. I mean, seriously, we're the good side. Repent from what? Jesus once said, you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your soul and with all of your mind. This is the first and the greatest commandment. The second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. And on these two commandments hang all of the law and the prophets. <clears throat> Excuse me. You know, during Lent, it's perhaps a good time to read these words of Jesus another way. Jesus said, you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart. But we should ask, where has our faithfulness and commitment been divided? Where has the source of love not been our grounding motivation? Jesus said, love God with all of your soul. But we should ask, where has our sense of self been fragmented? Jesus said, love God with all your mind. But we should ask, 
what voices are we letting shape our intellect? And finally, Jesus says, love your neighbor as yourself. But we must ask, who is our neighbor? And who are we? Repent. It could have been you. To repent means to uh, unlearn something, to create the space for knowing something different to be true, and to turn all the way around and go a different direction as a result. It's a process that can be painful and full of shame, but it can also unleash love and compassion in our lives when we authentically experience it. Repent from what? It's a question I sat with a lot this week. I wanna test something with you today. I want to read um, a list of characteristics. You might call them personality traits or preferences. The characteristics in this list might ring true for, for you, uh, or maybe they'll make you think of someone else. And it isn't a test. Uh, I'll tell you up front that I see myself in many of these traits. I'm gonna read them slowly. Take time to be honest with yourself. What traits do you identify with? Uh, here they are. Perfectionism. Being hurried or doing things with a sense of urgency. Defensiveness. Valuing quantity over quality. The need for someone to uh, email me something because I won't remember it otherwise. The belief that there's a right way and a wrong way to do things. The belief that running things properly requires strong decision-making authority. The belief that most things have clear values, like such as good or bad. The belief that power is good and can be channeled properly by the right people. <clears throat> Fear of open conflict. The belief that if you want it done right, you should do it yourself. The belief that progress means expansion and improvement on what already exists. The belief that there is such a thing as being objective or neutral. A belief that being comfortable is natural and discomfort is something to solve, to return to comfort. Like I said, I, uh, I found myself in this list. And at best, I might judge some of these characteristics as undesirable qualities, but nothing that out of the norm, at least not my norm. The list I just read is on a PDF on my desktop and the title at the top of that PDF reads White Supremacy Culture, compiled by Tima Oakham and based on the work of Daniel Buford, a lead trainer with the People's Institute for Survival and Beyond, who has done extensive research on white supremacy culture. The introduction to the list reads like this, and I quote, this is a list of characteristics of white supremacy culture that show up in our organizations. 
culture is uh, powerful precisely because it is so present and at the same time so very difficult to name or identify. The characteristics listed below, the ones I just read to you, are damaging because they are used as norms and standards without being proactively named or chosen by the group. They are damaging because they promote white supremacy thinking. Because we all live in a white supremacy culture, these characteristics show up in the attitudes and behaviors of all of us, people of color and white people. Therefore, these attitudes and behaviors can show up in any group or organization, whether it's white-led or predominantly white or people of color-led or predominantly people of color. This week, Britt shared an article with the rest of the staff. The article is written by Uluwatamasin Ordeen, who is a professor at Bright Divinity School. And it's entitled, We Need to Talk About White Belief. In the article, she writes, white belief operates first and foremost from how white people interpret themselves in a world of their making. How they want to see themselves must be how they actually are. There's no accountability to different communities. There are no checks and balances, just an assurance and supreme confidence in the force of the white imagination. There is an obliviousness in white belief, an assumption that to be white is to be good and morally upright. But white belief is seeped in American exceptionalism, the myth that white Americanness is best. Repent from what? It's Lent. Jesus is standing there looking at us with the evening light shining on his brown skin. And it is more important now than ever before that we, and I'm, I'm talking to those of us who are white, that we understand the deep love in his eyes. As we see in our text today, we are not condemned our sin, the original sin of our nation, is not cosmically linked to our damnation, but we must repent. We must be the ones who turn around and travel a different path into God's future. You know, when Jesus finishes responding to the crowd's questions, questions that were heavily weighted toward wanting Jesus to explain how sin might explain or actually cause one's demise, he tells a brief story. A tree in a garden is not producing fruit and the owner wants to tear it out. The gardener asks to save it, to do some work, to care for it, to feed it. The gardener doesn't suggest these things because he thinks the tree is worthless or beyond redemption. He suggests waiting a season because he believes the tree can respond to the right care and attention. This week I learned as a white person 
that the epistemological way that I see my world has within it the building blocks for tremendous evil. It is echoing with a history that favored me and oppressed others. I learned I'm planted in barren soil, soil that allows me to grow, produce leaves, but doesn't allow me to fulfill my purpose to bloom and produce fruit. Now, like, like many of you, I, I participated in the anti-racism training this past fall, winter here at PMC. It was uh, a time of digging at our roots, applying much needed fertilizer, but it also felt like a first step, like the step when the doctor explains what's wrong or out of balance. And then there's the next step, taking the medicine, making the changes, valuing your health. The leadership table here at PMC is exploring these next steps right now. And they are leaning toward asking you, the congregation, to affirm entering an anti-racism uh, audit process. And much like a financial audit, this uh, process would offer us an outside perspective and would suggest practices that bring health to our congregation going forward. Audits are scary, but can any of us not see their value? Repentance is made real in the turning. It's hard work. Now, maybe you're tired of being told uh, to quote, do the work. And maybe you have a deep negative reaction to the term white supremacy. I know the world is full of extremes, and sometimes the extremes have a way of stealing all of the energy, poisoning all of the language, and making it difficult to start the dialogue. But the work that I'm suggesting here is not something that we can't understand. Take perfectionism, for example. Think about the difference there is between someone who is unaware that they are a perfectionist and someone who understands this trait about themselves and can stop mid-sentence, laugh at themselves, and let you in on their hang-up. Their trait of wanting things a certain way becomes shared knowledge. It increases intimacy. And if worked at with those that they're in relationship with, it can return to being a strength. On the other hand, the person without self-awareness of their perfectionism remains overbearing, demanding, and difficult to relate to. The process of self-awareness and acceptance is the key ingredient that allows us to bear fruit. This self-awareness is where our work lies. And it's why we're considering entering an anti-racism audit process here at PMC. In this Lenten season, may you meet Jesus. May you see the love in his eyes. And may you hear his words. Repent. It could have been you.
Amen.